Hello, I'm Pauline Jennings. Welcome to Musician Talk. My guest today is powerhouse singer extraordinaire Faith Allwelling. Sought out as a soloist since the age of 12 in and around her home of Durand, Wisconsin, you can now hear her sing with her band Left Wing Bourbon, with the New Orleans funk group Jambalaya, and hear her sing, play percussion, and guitar with her trio Little Wing. She commands the stage no matter who she's singing with, and her soulful improv stylings are inspired. She's generous on and off stage, and I'm so pleased to have her on Musician Talk. It's time to find out more. Let's talk with Faith Elwelling. Welcome to Musician Talk, Faith. Hi. Hi. Happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I've known Faith for a handful of years. I met her through Steve and a band that he has, Jambalaya. And the first time I heard you sing, Faith, um, I was just odd. I think my jaw hit the ground. So, God. Uh, one of my favorite singers, you are. Oh my gosh. I'm verklempt. <laughs> All right. Well, with that verklemptness, let's just mm-hmm. dig right into your, uh, your musical journey. You started performing pretty young. And before that, do you remember like your first experience? Uh, with music or playing music or singing or your da- dad playing? What what are your first memories? You know, my uncle was in a band and my dad played harmonica with him. And and my grandparents and my uncles were in like a quartet. My mother was a vocalist. I just, I, I was always shy, really terribly shy. And I, like a terrible public speaker. But if I could like get a microphone, even as like a six-year-old kid, <laughs> Or pretend I had a microphone and sing things in front of people or dance. Like I felt comfortable. So I guess, yeah, it's always been a part of my life. Is there a difference between having a mic and being a speaker for a, an event or having a mic and getting to sing? I could not. This right now is terrifying for me. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> I'm so sorry to terrify you, but I promise I'll be nice and gentle. What can I say? <laughs> All right, so so basically music was just surrounded you as a child. For sure. And, and did you sing in choirs in elementary school? Did you do anything through the schools with your singing? I did have a lot of solos in growing up. And then, um, interestingly, I got kicked out of choir as a freshman. Flunked and kicked out for laughing too much, I guess. And so... Oh, no. No, so really? it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's how that went. But in, in college, I sang in the choir, um, and that was an amazing experience. Like, incredible. What college um, did you go to? Uh, UW Stout. And why was it incredible? <laughs> Something about voices together, just like vocal ensembles that are good. And everybody in there had to try out, so everybody was at a, a pretty high level. And so just like... And it's always been that way for me. Voices harmonizing is like, I cry. I can't even just like the wetness just comes down my face. I'm going to cry right now thinking about it. I totally understand that. Those harmonizing voices, that's what gets me to. And that's the kind of music I love to listen to. All right. So let's take a step back. You're performing solos around the area that you grew up in starting pretty young. How did people know about you? How did people know about your voice? How do people know you're any good? I still don't know if they do. I mean, <laughs> oh, they do, Faith. Don't, Trust me. I, <laughs> I don't know. For me, anyways, every day it's like, oh, 
should I keep doing this? Like, do people actually like this or is this me liking this? And, you know, and then is it okay for just me to like it to continue? Well, I can answer that for you. This is an easy answer. And and there are, it's not just you. I think that probably the people that hear you sing are in awe of your, of your talent. And so you could just put that to bed, put it to rest, those thoughts that it's just you because uh, you are a gift to those of us who can listen to you sing. Well, see, now that'll keep me going for the next month or two. There you go. Good. I'm glad to be of service. <laughs> so people, but people were asking you to solo. They wouldn't have asked you as a solo as a child if you weren't any good. And so being so shy and, like you said, getting up in front of people with the microphone and you know you're going to sing uh, was an okay experience for you. While you were doing these solos in your formative years, I guess in your maybe middle school years, did you gain some more confidence? Yeah. You know, once you start, yeah. you know, before the starting, oh my gosh, you know, it's just nerves and nerves and nerves. But then once you're in there and you know what you're doing, it all goes away. And yeah. it's like the best medicine. Right, right. Everything. And your dad played harmonica and you played, you did some gigs with him when you were in high school? He started taking us down to, or me, down to the, like the open jam at the mm-hmm. blues club in Durand. When I was about 15 and he'd sit in with those guys and I'd just listen and just close my eyes. And, <laughs> and I just found it to be like the, it spoke to me, like the blues spoke to me when, I don't know, just hearing that music live, it got in me and it talked to me and it made me feel like I could talk. And mm-hmm. I guess so from there, I joined a band with my father when I was like 18 playing drums. And then and he played harmonica and with Tim Caswell and a guitar player named Jason Kiesler. And so we just did this fun little thing for a while. I would say my dad is probably my biggest uh, influence musically. And influence in what way? Music was always playing, you know, in the house. And he was always playing along to music. And we had a drum set growing up. So um, and guitars around and pianos around and. And he just played great records. I just loved the music that he played. Um, and a lot of it was like just old school, off the wall stuff that a lot of people, you know, you just don't hear it around much. And I would say that about your, your voice, when you, particularly when you sing the blues, there is a, a nugget of classic old fashioned kind of blues singers, but, but you bring a modern twist to it, I guess I would say. I mean, you know how to bend a note like nobody else, I swear to God. Oh, oh bless your face. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so you were playing drums. I did not know this. Maybe I knew it and forgot, but you were playing drums then in this band of your dad. Were you also singing lead? Was no, I was just like background vocals i play i sing like a couple tunes i don't know i guess i didn't figure out that that's really what i wanted to do at that point in time i was just happy somebody let me play drums to be honest and let me be in some kind of fun band when did you first realize a that you are a lead singer how about that one when did when, when did that realization come i had a some buddies that were in a band and my brother was in in the band as well and they were called west side experience back in the day and i I used to go to their shows and they let me get up and sing a song or two. And, mm. and like just the, the reaction that I got, like the energy that I received from the crowd, like made me realize, Oh my gosh, I really, really enjoy this. Like 
this is making me feel really great and they're feeling really great. And so at that, that, I guess, I think that is when after they, that band ended, I, I thought, well, I'm going to take a stab at it and form left-wing bourbon. I was in, I think like 2008, maybe, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's when I became the lead singer. And I guess that's what I wanted to do from thenceforth, henceforth. The nerves that you had for getting on stage and taking the step from being somebody that's called up and you get all that great feeling of being on stage. But it was it just that that gave you the courage to take the step to have your own band and front a band? Because that's a lot. That's a huge difference between, you know, coming up for a song and being responsible for seeing a whole evening worth of, of material. I always knew that I could do it, even when I wasn't doing it. And like I said, I've always kind of been a performer in some facet or another. And I used to like tell jokes to people, you know, and get an audience that big. It just, it, it was, so it was always something that I knew, like, there was going to be a time when I came back to that. And so after the first band just playing drums, I went off and got my degree and did the whole army thing and all the, got all the living responsible living out of the way so to say <laughs> right i'll get the responsible living done in my 20s <laughs> that's right. what you do <laughs> and now for the fun part right. so yeah i love that idea you you flip kind of do the responsible stuff early so that the rest of your life you could just have some fun that's what i figured so you mentioned army what prompted you to join the army you know i came from a military family and you know, I actually wanted to do the Peace Corps. Um, but either way, I needed somebody to pay for my college education. And so I just decided, well, let's try this. I like digging holes and there's lots of foxholes to dig back then. So, And did, did any of the experiences um, that you had while you were in the Army inform your music making or your performing? I don't know, I guess. I I will say I wrote my first song that I ever recorded, actually, in a five-ton, um, heading down to New Orleans to do like rescue missions for Katrina. But otherwise, no, it's not really a super creative place to be. You know, you yeah. you meet amazing folks, and I would do it again in a heartbeat just because of those people that I still have really close relationships with. But, you know, other than that, you know, you can write good songs due to your experience, but I wouldn't say the experience furthered my creativity in that way. Sure. Um, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this was in your 20s? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And how did you write it? I mean, did you have a guitar in that five ton with you? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I had a, a really, really jiggly pen because of the five ton and uh, some paper. <laughs> And I just, it came to me like sort of all at once, strangely. Yeah, I don't know. Not very many songs come like that. I get that happens to a lot of folks, but um, but not me often. And that was my first one. And it just all came with the, they come with the drum beat and the, and the lyrics. I play guitar, but not, I play like rhythm guitar just to help out my lead guitar player in a trio, but that's like the extent of my guitar playing. So it's drums, really. That's interesting that you start with the groove, with the beat. Uh, when does the melody come? If the whole song comes to me, or or the most of the song comes to me, then it 
comes with a melody. It's already there. But typically, I will start, like, it'll start with a riff. And I'll usually write with my brother, Jacob, who is a bass player. And so, and he's like a riff king. So <laughs> he just said these great riffs. Um, we'll pick one of those riffs and we'll just kind of, we'll make a groove. We'll find the groove from that riff. And then we'll start adding instruments. And really, like, the lyrics come last, typically. Because, like, I, for, for me, the sound of music, even without any vocals or lyrics whatsoever, is what moves me more than anything at all, strangely, I guess. But um, so I can't write a song until I know what that song wants to be, I guess, if, you know, if that makes sense. So typically get that out there and then be like, well, what does this feel like? What does this make me feel like? What is this song about? And then I have a notebook of different lines and, and things that I, you know, you think of something and you got to write it down. And then yeah. I go in there, pull a line that feels like the song. And then I'll write the song from basically usually like one line or something. That is really a cool way to write a song. So you, you start with you start with the lick, or whatever it happens to be. I did it low because Jacob's with you on the bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you take that from there because you let that riff and what you kind of develop around that riff to speak to you about what the song should be about. I love that. That's just crazy it's crazy that it works that way because it sounds it sounds a little ma- magical to me you know that the so- song is speaking to you everything i do is is really for better or worse and sometimes it is worse based off feeling and so i have a really hard time forcing anything ever just has to be organic and i think that's what makes it good for me like i couldn't be a nashville studio musician no way like i could never really do something like that why? What part? What part of it do you think you couldn't do? I I can't do like repetition. I'm really bad at doing what somebody wants me to do or what they're looking for because I I have a hard time overcoming what what music wants me to do. I guess, and so I find it really hard to box in something that somebody really wants. Right. Here's and the so part. I, Sing this part. Seeing these notes and over and over and over again. Yeah, right? and of. I can I can do it. But maybe once or twice, and then I'm so often left field going, what? I'd be off, like, well, what? That feels like it wants to be here. That's what it wants to do, you know? So I really think those people are amazing, and maybe someday I can grow up and figure out how to be one of them. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but Faith, (laughs) I have to say, this is one of the reasons I love your voice so much and what you do and your talent is because of your improv. It's astounding. And it is amazing that it, every time I hear you do a song, it, it is different because it's not just what the sound, I don't think, is of the song is, is speaking to you. It's also what emotion you happen to be feeling at that time. And every time you enter a song, you're entering it with a little bit of a different feeling in, in your heart right. at that time. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and we can hear some of your improv singing here on the first song that we're going to uh, play, which is called The Wrong Poor. So who wrote this song and when, when did you write it? Kind of just set up the song for us, if you would. So I wrote this song and um, and I worked on it with Tim Caswell in the studio to come up with like sort of the piano parts and whatever. But I just I had the words and the drum part in my head so I played the drum part and then the words and the rest like kind of just came out but 
But this song is, it's a song that came out of working in hospitality for my whole life. Okay. And so it's, it's like an ode to bartenders. Nice. It's just from like years of observing both customer and bartender behavior and interaction with one another. Um, <laughs> and, and it's because <laughs> it's, it's a hard business yes. to be in. And you can be like specifically kind of tough to bartend in rural Wisconsin. You just got to be, you got to be tough as nails to excel at it. And I think like even the best bartender will eventually end up like sassily bemused <laughs> at, <laughs> at the circumstance they find themselves in. Right. And, you know, so the song is about like the territory, I guess, of the relationship between the customer, the local customer and the, and the bartender. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And it's kind of the groove of it is kind of classic blues. Um, flat tire beat. Yep. Classic <clears throat> groove. What's it called? It's like a flat tire beat. Sort of like a chunk, 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 and just think about like tire beats. Oh, faith, that's awesome! Yeah, that's really, I, I really love listening to this song and how it builds. Uh, it, you, if you listen to the chorus and how there's a there's a part you're singing for the for the chorus as the song starts. So then as you get kind of three quarters of the way into the song, then you start taking off on that chorus. And I'm just like, yes. Oh yeah. That's just perfect. So people <laughs> listen to that, how it just builds with that. And Thank this you. tasty, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the quote of how, how this, and maybe it's ineffable and it's something you can't describe, but how you do this, how, how you improvise so well, uh, you got to have a lot of confidence. You have a lot of courage, I think, to do that. So um, who is playing on this track? So this would be um, Jacob Allwilling on bass, Tim Caswell on keyboards, Nancy Long on drums, and John Neitz on guitar, and Sue Orfield on saxophone. With that oh. said, let's take a listen to The Wrong Poor, this original song written by my guest today, Faith Allwilling and her band Left Wing Bourbon with a couple friends. And here it is. A man walked into the bar Just wanted to get off the road for a while Before he could get too far A man said, you ain't noble and you pretty lame Man is another age and that I was today So how thirsty are you? If you want a drink, man, you gotta be drinking what she's pouring. Drinking what she's pouring. You gotta be drinking what she's pouring. Drinking what she's pouring. You gotta be drinking what she's pouring. If you don't, you're gonna be thirsty for a while. Bartender had the word no for a smile. Good luck getting served, taking orders ain't her style She got anchors for shoes and you always lose her You ain't normal and you pretty lame Readers in a rage and you let up once today So how thirsty are you? Cause if you want a drink, then You gotta be drinking what she's pouring you gotta be drinking 
drinking what she's pouring. You better be drinking what she's pouring. If you don't, you're gonna be thirsty for a while. Mark for a face cry. Good Lord, can I get a drink in this damn place? Peter Rabbit had a round, left her shoes in the same place. She said, You ain't normal and you pretty lame. I've been in a raise and then I lost today. So, how thirsty are you? See if you want a drink. Damn. You gotta be drinking when I. You gotta be drinking what I'm pouring. You gotta be drinking what I'm pouring. If you don't, you're gonna be thirsty for a while. I said to you, you gotta be drinking what I'm pouring. I said, you gotta be drinking what I'm pouring. You gotta be drinking just what I'm pouring, baby. If you don't. Pauline Jennings, and you're listening to Musician Talk. You just heard my guest today, Faith Elwelling, sing the heck out of her original song called The Wrong Poor. Yeah, folks, did you hear that? Improvising at the end, it, and you get those high notes coming, and, and everybody loves when, when singers sing those high notes, and you hold them, and uh, that's just, it's so much fun. So much fun. Great band. Love the end hits. Thanks, was that, that's a fun one. So, so that was Left Wing Bourbon, we heard. Um and there's different iterations of left wing bourbon, but it's almost always you and Jacob and Tim. Yep. Yeah. And then you have with Tim also a duo, usually a duo, I believe, in Little Wing. That is now a trio most of the time with the uh, Kari Larson on stand up bass. And nice. it's really, really fun. And then we get to do more old school jazz stuff. And I love that because because I get to play percussion and sing and play guitar and and I love big band stuff and I love performing on stage with big bands but there's something about that duo or trio situation in which you can actually hear yourself as a female singer really well right and you can take advantage of that and go places that you aren't normally able to travel because as you and I both know as performers if you can't hear yourself um it really restricts your confidence in where you want to go 
I couldn't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm a little speechless because that is you're speaking such truth there. And, you know, I've said this during the show too, how the importance of a sound person and um, people that aren't in the business don't really know how it doesn't matter how good you are. If you don't have a good sound person, you're not going to sound very great. And also the other flip side of that is you're not going to be able to hear yourself and, uh, and have what you need to hear. And, and seriously, folks, when you are in front of a monitor that, that is, you can hear crisp, crispy, crisp and clear your voice and they have little effects on it. So it sounds a little good. It sounds really, really good to you. The confidence in your singing in, in a second can go up. And the opposite, yeah. right? When you can't. It's just Night like, and day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You want to pull your hair out if you can't hear. I mean, you're <laughs> just singing to get by kind of at, at that point, right? I just got to get through the song because yeah. I can't really perform it because I can't hear. Yeah. And, there, and that takes the whole point of it away. And I want Absolutely. to say with Little Wing, I love this. Okay. So, so Faith said that she gets to play percussion during it. And I don't know if you do this every time, but it's it's just delightful. She comes up with the beer, empty beer box, or yeah, box, I guess it is. A 12 pack box with her brushes. Yeah. Rest that on her on her lap. And remind me, do you have a little hi-hat or something that you're playing with your foot? Or maybe yeah, a, a tambourine on the floor or something else. I've got, yeah, I got a hi-hat and a bass box and a <laughs> and all kinds of little little tambourines and you know, shakers and kibasas and whatnot, whatever's around. Um, While you're singing, yeah. you're doing all this extraneous stuff with your limbs and playing different things. And then sometimes she'll move that 12-pack box and, and her brushes aside and pick up her guitar. And you, she wigs it around, and there she is now singing with the guitar. It's pretty, it's pretty fun to watch you play. <laughs> it's so fun to do, really. You're also playing in Jambalaya, and that's a bigger band. And you guys do uh, pretty complicated music. And it's not vocally easy yeah. either. Yeah. I, I feel really honored and lucky to be with those guys. Because uh, everybody in that band is just a boss. Oh, they're so, like, some of the most incredible musicians I've ever met. And yeah. I get to sing songs with them. But that music is really complicated. And it's like Little Feet and who else? What other, what other bands do you cover in Jambalaya? Well, a lot of Little Feet, because that band came out of a Little Feet tribute show. Yeah. Um, so we had a lot of Little Feet music. And then there's some like New Orleans funk, like Meters, like John Cleary, some of the old um, faces like Rod Stewart. We'll move on to our quote of the week, which is Etta James, another powerhouse, incredible uh, improviser. And she said, my mother always told me, even if a song has been done a thousand times, you can still bring something of your own to it. I'd like to think I did that. Well, and she so did, obviously. And that's what I think of you. It's like you bring something new. And so my question is, how much is your brain involved in those decisions when you're on stage and you're improvising? Oh, my gosh. Almost none. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Thinking really, really gets in the way Ooh, of making magic. So for me, I don't, as soon as I have to think about that, it all can go away real quick. And then you got to find, you got to come back and find it. Like I consider myself a soul singer and I'm a feel-based human, like I said. So I don't know. It's just in me, I feel like, and the song can pull it out of me. I don't know that I'm consciously doing that. 
I think that's when you, what you call natural talent. I mean, I mean, seriously. And I, I understand that whole thing about thought getting in the way. Cause almost, almost you feel like it, when thought comes in, doubt comes in somehow of what you're going to do next. Uh, at least for me sometimes like, Oh, that next note, what should that be? Oh, it's, I'm not going to hit the right one. And I mean, it, that thought of course comes and goes in this, in a, just a blink of an eye. But somehow when you bring the thought in, you, you you can start to question yourself then. I remember the first and only time I've ever hit Zen completely and mm. um, to know what that is and to be able to like, oh my, oh my God, that's what they meant. And that was singing. And I wasn't um, in my body. I wasn't, I wasn't a human and I wasn't, I was basically the song. And I think thoughts are just kind of obstacles in that regard. Yeah. And so it's, it doesn't serve you to be thinking. You've got to be feeling, you know? So it's a meditation of sorts when you say vet, it, it, Zen. Yeah. It's kind of the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it really is. How, how do you learn a song? I listen to it several times um, to get the bones of it down. And then I'll play drums to it several times so that I know, like, I basically like to have the the rhythm, the bass and the drums in my head really well so i know where that i know the structure of that song you know then the lyrics you know that's the last thing i learned but the but the melody you learn the melody and then you learn the phrasing and um and then that, that's where i like might take my um liberties with phrasing typically is where i i might phrase something a little differently or feel something a little differently like they're like oh this like this portion of the song feels way more sassy to me than than what the band's doing and so like let's let's jazz that up or like let's hit that big or something you know and then mm-hmm. and so as far as learning a song you kind of make a new one sometimes like most of the times I mean, the nice. same song but but it's you know you're doing something new to it or you're interpreting it in a different way and but so, repetition part of that rep- um, not too much, repetition though. but not too much you got to be a healthy that's a healthy amount because if because if you overplay that song or if you overlisten to the song, then then you can box yourself into that song. And then what are you doing with it? And why are you really performing it if you can't spin it a way that makes more sense to you? So repetition, not too much repetition, because you don't want to get boxed in and have that voice in your head so strongly that, that all of a sudden your your own instincts are maybe fighting that. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well and, said. <laughs> thank you. And then... um <laughs> Not too much repetition, but it sounds like you know that song really, really, really well. You know that song, so you well enough that you can stray from it. Exactly. You know where the bones of that song are going, then then you know that song well enough, I feel like. And, and the rest is your interpretation after that. Nice. I didn't really ask you after I said the quote, when you first read that quote, what came to mind? Actually, I just started thinking about Etta James and how badass she is when I read that quote. Was she a big influence I, on your singing, do you think? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, I kind of love that. I just think, you know, if you can't put your own stank on it, why are you doing it? Yeah, you know? I, I I totally agree with you for what the what you do. Um I'm just yeah in the throes of putting together a tribute band. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. <laughs> and with those you really want to stay true because the people are coming to see here usually what they remember. And so you don't really want to put your own spin on it because 
that's not no. the purpose in that. And so there's a purpose for and a place for all these different kind of things. When you're saying the blues, R and B, the funk, New Orleans funk stuff that you're doing, it you're a perfect fit because of the talents, um, the unique talents that you have. Yep. That's why I'm like not so good at the the things you are great at, for instance. <laughs> Right, like, in musical theater. I mean, you, you yes, sing the you song a to, certain way. You have to be on note right. for note. You have to know what you're doing. Oh, my gosh. The next song we want to talk about is Moon Man. And did you write this one as well? I did. And what was the inspiration for it, my dear? So this song is just about people who are, like, desperately looking for love and, and the risks that they're willing to take um, versus a reward, I guess, in this particular song. She takes a risk, and it's a ridiculous one, but it pans out for her in the end. Um, it's not always the case. Right, right. And you got to work hard sometimes and really walk off a cliff and just trust that someone's going to catch you on the other side. And this is also uh, Left Wing Bourbon performing this on this recording. Yep. And this is um, this also has a little bit of a classic feel for a barn burner torch ballads blues ballad it's so it's so emotional you do that gospely for sure yeah 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 maybe that's the thing it more has that a gospel blues i guess i think that when people can improvise really well they also have a tendency to be able to bring emotion into their singing more than perhaps others uh, because when you feel that emotion it's reflected in what you're doing in your improv. Um, and I mean, I could, I mean, of course, all musical theater, there's a lot of emotion there and you can, you can totally bring that emotion to some, to the notes that you're supposed to be singing and, you know, where you're supposed to be singing them. But there's something about the way, and I said this earlier, the way that you bend notes that just, oh, you just, your heart just gets wrapped up in what, what you're doing. Well, it makes me so happy to hear that. When you're in the studio, as opposed to on stage, how, how is the inspiration different? Um, the feelings different or isn't it for you? Oh boy. Yeah. I, I'm really not a studio uh, person. It's really, I, you know, I've done a lot of studio work for people, but I, uh, I'm never satisfied with it, to be honest, without a live, live thing happening and um, singing to tracks. I really lose a lot. And I know that that's, that's an area that I need to get better at. This is not a live recording of Moon Man. Um, that we all play in the studio together. You did. So, um, and then, you know, I go back and overdub the vocals if they're not good. But again, I'm not super happy with any of these songs it's, as opposed to playing them live. And they're fine, but... Well, we I do mean, the- are we ever really completely happy with our performance when it's live it's it's there and it's gone and and you feel good about the performance but when you have to listen to every note on a recording it's hard to be completely fine with it because it's yeah no i I cannot watch myself or listen to myself after the fact is just like excruciating sometimes i'm just like oh no what why no i can i see all all the things that that i could have done better you know, so so I don't typically do that. Even though you weren't interacting with an audience, this song is incredibly emotion filled. And uh, 
wonderfully performed and done by you. So uh, let's take a listen Thank to you. You're welcome. So let's take a listen to Moon Man, a song written by my guest today, Faith Elwelling. I saw him standing on the moon. I could feel him before I knew his night. My friends told me to be careful. Said you just got yourself back to life Don't go giving everything you got Don't put your head on the chopping block Cause you don't know him You don't know him Many days Walking the same old hours, I didn't why, but I can never get him out, out of my mind, I swear that I could feel him, can I believe it hurts so bad, I haven't Can you believe that with 
Talk, and I'm your host, Pauline Jennings. My guest today is Faith Elwelling. You just heard her vocal stylings on her original tune called Moon Man. Yeah, those notes. Oh my God, some of those notes that you hit on in, in this song are really, really powerful. Well done. Did you have any challenges re- recording this or singing it when you were recording it, other than the fact that you didn't have an audience there to perform with? That whole record um, was a bit of a challenge. We We did it um, at Caswell Studios, um, which isn't not really a real studio per se, and we had no budget. We were doing the recording on old analog, super old equipment, and and just kind of with the start, stop, start, stop to patch in and out for any mistakes or notes or this or that. And it was a bit painstaking, and um, I guess those were the challenges that came along with every song on the album. Yeah, that pole punching in thing with the old analog real tape, actually real to real, right? Um, yeah. Amazes me. Amazes me that some of those, pro- particularly the progressive rock bands that are really complicated songs or something just like Bohemian Rhapsody. How did they do it? How did mm-hmm. they possibly do it? Because when with electronic stuff, you just go in and highlight it with your marker, with your with your cursor and you could just put it wherever you want it. You can move it. You can do everything that you want with it just on your computer, what you're saying. So if I came in a little late on, on a, on a, on a phrase, you could just go in there and move it electronically. And back when it was analog, you had to do it again. And they, Oh my God, it's just so complicated. Oh yeah. I know. After hours and hours, it's just, then you kind of, you can't even see in front of your face anymore and you can't tell a note from another note. And it's just like recording blind or something. It's amazingly more difficult than doing it electronically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Best gig, worst gig. You got something for me, Faith? Oh man. I have a terrible memory and I've played thousands of gigs, but I will say that definitely the best gigs are when we have a great sound technician, a great venue that sounds great and a great audience and really 
if those three things are there, it's magic. Off the top of my head, we um, we did this Alma art show outside last year, and oh, the sound was great, and everybody was so everybody could hear everything, and and so we were able to come together and have these great musical moments that that we don't typically have, as you know, when you can't hear each other. So that gig was amazing. And uh, it's always very fun to do blues fests of any kind, even if you can't hear yourself at them. They're fun because the crowd <laughs> is just so into it and it's so fun. But I would say the worst gigs are always the ones where you either don't have a sound guy or the venue sounds terrible and you don't have a sound guy. Right. Or, or the crowd is just like not the crowd for your band. Right. Like I remember, I remember doing this one show. I don't know what the people were really into, but it was not funky blues, certainly, because they, even one of the guys came up on our break and he was like, I don't care for these. Nobody plays real instruments in your band. What? <laughs> and he's saying that to our saxophone player and she's going, uh, hmm. whoa, what? what are you, what? <laughs> it's a fake instrument. He said something entirely witty um, back to him that I can't. Now you cannot repeat, but, um, <laughs> but that was a doozy of a show uh, to get through. Just having people looking at you like, what is this? Uh, <laughs> I can't help you with this. I can't help you. This is what we play. Of course, we've had the, the bar gigs with like the drunken women with that are falling over on your things and giving you bloody lips because they run into your microphone and your microphone goes into your teeth and your teeth goes into your lip. <laughs> I think you have more experiences definitely when you're playing four-hour <laughs> bar gigs. Uh, you brought up uh, blues festivals and you are one of the people that puts together blues on the Chippewa. When does that usually take place? That is the first weekend of August, and it is free. You know, we raise money for um, the elementary and middle and high school band programs. And Nice. Um, and it, where is it at? Durand. Durand, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yes. And I highly encourage people to keep that in mind, jot it down, Blues on the Chippewa. Uh, it's, it's not only do you have great bands, it's just every year the crowd just seems to be so happy to be there. You know, that is the thing. Everybody, it's like a, a big old love fest. So that's a lot of fun. And also I want to mention your restaurant. You're a co-owner of a restaurant called Hop Dish and Vine, which is a restaurant in Stockholm. And I've eaten there, I don't know, a handful of times, four or five times, maybe every single time. It's in, an incredible meal. It's farm to table and organic and it comes. So whatever I'm is available from the local farmers is what I have to, you know, kind of figure out. Uh, what I'm going to do with and create something new every day. And that's, that's my other creative outlet in this life is, is cooking. So that's super fun. You're not going to find something on your menu that you'll find at many other restaurants ever anywhere. So that, that makes it a very fun experience and it's, it's tucked into this nice little courtyard um, amongst shops and it's just, it's got a beautiful uh, ambiance. And so I highly recommend if, it, if you're in that area at all, stop in Stockholm at Hop Dish and Vine for lunch in the summer or dinner. Yes, please totally do. Work. Yes, please totally do. Work. All right, back to the music. Uh, where you. can people find your, your schedule and your music? Well, you can go on uh, littlewingmusic.org or Left Wing Bourbon on Facebook and 
gigs will be up as they come and music is up on there on those sites and i'll be in your neck of the woods yes at uh, northfield event center and at the grand event center if you're local it just goes by the grand so now you know you're in the in the know Mm -hmm. we're in the in yes at the grand on april 1st uh and what time is that gig so that is at seven my duo is gonna do an opening set and then um I am performing with Rush River Delta, a friend of mine's band, and I just do a little vocal work for him here and there. He's a great songwriter, so come on out, check out check out his music. That was kind of my motivation to have you on the show. I've been wanting to talk to you on Musician Talk forever because I just love what you do, and uh, this was the perfect opportunity since you had a gig coming up here where people can come out and see you and pe- oh, please do it. Yeah, you just get more of what you already heard. And our time is up, Faith. Thank you for having me. I adore you. And Mm. I love that you do this for musicians. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I adore you too, my dear. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Many, many thanks to Faith for sharing her musical journey and incredible voice with us today. Thanks always to Wendy Nordquist and to you, dear listener, for tuning in to Musician Talk on the One, KYMN. Have a wonderful day.